everybody. How are we all doing today? I'm fine and dandy. How are you? I'm really looking forward to this. So this is the Students' Union's first podcast of the year, and we are doing it on the LGBT History Month. And I'm really excited to have you all here today. Um, I know I know most of you. Mark, I met you briefly last year, I think, <laughs> probably at the bar. <laughs> so I'm true. the quality and campaigns officer at the SU um, and I'm really excited to start this session with you all so I just want to wonder for everybody who's going to be listening and watching just a bit about yourselves who you are and what you're doing uh, Phoebe do you want to go first so I am Phoebe I'm the chair of the LGBTQ society at Newman um don't really know what else you want me to say, to be honest. That's it. That's what I do at Newman. I mean, if you want to sum it up briefly, that's cool with me. <laughs> Josh, who's your hat? Hi, hi all. So I'm Joshua Williams. I'm a former president at the Guild of Students at the University of Birmingham. Um, and I'm just really excited to be here, as Phoebe said. Um, so thanks for having me. And also thanks for being related to me. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get them connections in somewhere. <laughs> Mark, over to you. So I'm Mark Broadway. Um, I finished Newman last year, but last year I was the chair of the LGBTQ plus community and Phoebe was my vice chair. Woo-hoo! We were the dream team, power couple. Power <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously we're here for LGBTQ History Month and I guess the big question is, why is it so important? Oh. I see okay. you're eager to answer that, Mark. So this, uh, this hits straight to home for me because LGBTQ plus History Month just shows you how far activism can go to make change. Um, it's just a shame that activism only tends to happen now when something really bad happens. Um, obviously, if you look into LGBTQ plus History Month, um, you'll see the prime example of that with Stonewall with it being rioting and people just had enough. But it's a shame that it has to get to that point. So I feel like this week is so important because it allows people to collaborate their minds to say, what I'll be doing in terms of activism, standing up for people, standing up for what's right, or are we choosing to kind of what look away in a sense, if, I accept, if you get my drift. Just coming behind that, um, I completely agree with everything that's been said so far. Um, I think the most important thing to remember about this History Month is that it's not just about us here in the United Kingdom. It's so much broader than that. It's so much wider than that. Um, Yes, there are so many successes and achievements that we've got as a collective community. um, And that is through activism. That is through hard work. That is through blood, sweat and tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my favourite things at the moment is to go onto certain tabloids, such as the Daily Mail and the (laughs) That I've all posted lovely things about LGBT History Month and see the people arguing in the comments as to why do we need it? Why do we need it? Mm-hmm. We've got equality, we've got this, we've got that. There are still things that we're fighting for in this country. If we look at trans rights when it comes to the UK government and the erasure of rights there. There are still things that, although some members of the community may have some form of parity or some form of progress, there are others that are falling behind and we need to constantly, as a collective unit, fight for them but we look into the wider world as well and we see those that are in the community being actively erased from their societies, their cultures, being actively discriminated against, uh, being faced with violence. We have this history month because although things might be at a 
a solid foundation. Let's say that nicely. That's maybe a positive. <laughs> We've got a solid foundation in this country. We need to constantly look out to those across the world, those that don't have a lot of the structures that we may have, and fight to uplift and represent them too, and make sure that they have their voices heard and that they are empowered to be able to live freely and love freely and just exist. That beautifully put there. That was so good. <laughs> Spot on. He likes talking, but he has very important things to say, so it's all quite welcomed. Honestly, that's the first time that Kim has ever been nice to me. Like, we've heard it here, it's recorded, it's on film. I'm screenshotting this, I'm sending it into the family group chat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Would you like to elaborate on that, Phoebe? <laughs> um, similar to what they've both said, to be honest, History Month, I think, as well as it being a collective thing for a community to reflect on, it's also like, individualistic like we all individually allies and both people in the community can reflect on how far we have come as well like I love looking back on where it's all started from from years and years ago but then the more I look into it the more little bits of history like not just my history but all the small parts of LGBTQ plus history there mm -hmm. is like today I've been researching about makeup in the LGBTQ plus community and there is so many aspects of it it is unreal like the more I look into the history it's not just stonewall and that kind of thing it's so much more than that and I think it's such a good time and month to allow that kind of process of reflection to look back and realize wow we yeah. have a community have so much history and it's just that time to you know be like go team <laughs> hashtag go team <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay yeah so the next thing I wanted to discuss, and it's a case of how much you strongly agree or disagree with some of these statements, um, and you can chime in whenever you like, um, but I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on some of these statements. Um, so the first one was, how much do you strongly or disagree with LGBTQ plus education should be built into the national curriculum rather than celebrated as a month? And I think that's one that comes up with a lot of issues um, regarding specific history months. Okay, I saw a TikTok today on this topic and it was basically this man saying, if my son wants to wear a dress, I will allow him. But if he tells me I want to wear a dress, I'm not going to go to shop and force him on him. I'm going to wait for the age for him to know what's going on. I was thinking, how does that make sense like you're, he's you're not forcing it on him if they want him to if it was taught in schools generations like our age and above people that are out of school would know that that's not a problem would be aware of these issues would understand lgbtq plus and the issues and everything that goes on would it would be much more normalized if it was in the curriculum today and even like teachers don't realize what's going on like a student would say oh i'm non-binary they wouldn't know what that means. I feel like the typical terms like lesbian, gay, bi, most people know what they mean, but there's so many different terms now and so many different sexuality and genders that children and teachers don't know. And it's so important that it's taught and other aspects of the community as well. It's just not taught and it definitely should be. So I fully strongly agree. Yes, it should be. <laughs> I think we all do here, to be honest, let's face it. 
I mean, can I just chime in very quickly? Yeah, of course. And in a sense where it's little things that can go such a long way, especially for a young person. I remember yeah. in school, do you ever have those like cringy people who come in to talk about like safe sex? Yeah. <laughs> when you're like 15. And I remember yeah. like they were going through like, like relationships and obviously like they never spoke about same sex mm-hmm. like at all. And obviously like I was at that age where I knew I was gay but I didn't have any representation in a sense because I didn't know where to turn. I know that sounds really strange. Um, so I feel like little things, like, I mean, I mean, there's kids' books now that talk about, like, you know, there's parents in, the, in children's books that are the same sex. And I feel like it's, it's things like that. It just normalises things. And obviously, like, our community fights for equal rights. And it's little steps like that that really does help, I believe, in a way. Everyone assumes you're straight and you're cis until told otherwise. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they need to wait to the right age to know all that stuff. But when is the right age? We're yeah. not born straight. We're not Try born cis. Like... Um, I've got I've, I've got a couple of things on this area because I do believe it needs to be adopted within a curriculum. Um, but I think it's, it's really important to understand the wider context around it as well. Um, so it's like, as Phoebe was saying, it's like when children are born, they're, they're, they're a clean slate, so to speak, and the binary axis that the world operates with, um, and when we look at contraction normativity and all those lovely academic terms, these things, oh, Kim's just gone very dark, we see you. Um, but when it comes to a lot of the, the life that these young children will live, they are forced to operate within a dichotomy of a world that doesn't necessarily matter, it's not important. Children should just be allowed to be children if there is somebody that is... Uh, if there is a, a young boy that wants to play with a dress or a young girl that wants to play with cars, those things aren't gendered. They're innately gendered by society. Um, children should just be allowed to be children and explore the things that bring them joy. And as a parent, I don't understand why anyone would stand in the way of their children's joy. Um, so that's one thing that really confuses me. Um, but one of the biggest counter arguments to why LGBT inclusive education shouldn't be adopted in schools is that it sexualizes children. It, creates, it means that they are deviants and it it almost opens up to a things that they should have been sheltered from until they would come of age. But that's just another trope that the community as a whole has had to operate by for a long time. Um, we look back to the eighties and it was that um, gay men were perverts, perverts, they were sexual deviants, they were this, they were that. Um, we look now, we look at um, trans individuals again, being seen as sexual deviants, as monsters, as this, as that. This discourse matters. And there's a reason why it's appropriated, particularly by the right, but also the moderate, um, the moderate right as well, in a sense, because it allows you to distract away from the argument. It allows you to paint this group of people as people that need controlling, as people that need to be cleansed in a way. And I take massive issue with that because that's not the reality of what's being done. Um, as Mark spoke about earlier, when you have people coming in to do sexual, um, sexual health education, that's not to sexualize you. That's to let you know that when you do start engaging in this behavior, there are ways to do it safely so that you are not at risk, both physically, mentally, all of these things. Um, when you adopt it within education, it's not like you're having a one hour class, you're placing maths with some LGBT history. That's not the point. It's about adopting it within the wider frameworks of it. So be it within kind of a citizenship lesson or within these kind of special guest slots to be able to make sure that everybody has a firm foundation to not be ignorant, to make sure that they are safe, to know that the world is so much more bigger and beautiful than they could have ever imagined. Um, to kind of deprive young people and children of that, I think is an abject failure, to be completely honest. Um, and it's more embarrassing than anything else because these people are crying out 
to be able to better understand the world around them? And what would you rather them go into the deep web, the deep dark Twitter web, all of this stuff to try and get the education that could have been provided in a balanced manner within their schools and within their homes. I know what I'd prefer my children to have. Um, I don't really want my own children, but that's the point. Thanks for that, Josh. <laughs> Does anyone else have any more things to say on the matter? I mean, I feel like... I feel like I'm talking about myself loads, but for me, obviously, when I was younger, my only outlet was media. Yeah. So, like, I remember, and obviously, like, I come from a military background, so that was that was scary to me anyway. Also, <laughs> figuring out I was gay. So I remember like watching um, it's called Queer as Folk by Russell T Davis. Um, and it wasn't for that. Like, after watching that, it made me feel comfortable. And I feel like the edu education system can do that if it's done right. Yeah, I agree. As a, as a kind of follow up to that as well, um, like I don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk about myself by no means, but the only thing I feel kind of comfortable and confident talking about is obviously being a gay man. But within the kind of gay community, the one thing that breaks my heart more than anything else is that realistically, and this is something that I will stand by, um, is, is that around the kind of 17 to 20 year old mark for gay men is, is an incredibly sexualized like a sexualized period within their lives. It's when they're finding their feet, it's when they're going to clubs, kissing some people, having fun, finding out what they like, what they don't like, all of those sorts of stuff. And in a lot of ways, it does endanger those young people because realistically, they've had to suppress who they are and what they want and what their desires are for so long that it kind of comes in this big burst as they turn 18 and have that freedom to be able to explore it. However, they don't have any knowledge of those safeguards, any knowledge of kind of the risks that come with it. Um, when it comes to sexual health education in school, the boys weren't even allowed it because we were deemed too immature. But realistically, straight people, when it comes to kind of STDs, STIs, the biggest worry is getting chlamydia or getting pregnant. With gay men, it's getting HIV. They're very, very different situations. Yeah. And just that little bit of education could help protect so many people. And it's absolutely criminal that it's not. Um, it, re it really frustrates me because... Um, Actually, in my own experiences, I remember when, literally when I was coming out, I was speaking to some very old men, not in that way. I know what you're thinking. You've been swiping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all I kind of wanted at that time was reassurance from somebody that's gone through all of this, that one, it's okay, it's okay to be gay, all that sort of lovely stuff. But two, there's more to being a gay man than just the kind of sexual side of it and what you see represented yeah. in the media, which is the very sexual promiscuous gay, which is grinder, which is going to a gay club, dancing, kiki in until you drop dead on the floor with your leg up in the air. That's <laughs> such a caricature of gay culture and it's such a small fraction of it. And in a way, I'm quite embarrassed that at a time when I was 18, 19, I thought that that's all, that's all it meant to be gay. And there's so much more to it. It's yeah. such a proud history and such a proud culture that stands parallel to it. Yet, these people are being forced out into the world in situations where they can be taken advantage of, where they can come to some form of harm, because that basic education isn't there, and that's a choice, and I just don't understand why. Yeah. So coming back to education, um, and I know you have just been talking, Josh, but I do want to come back to you um, for this one first. Um, do you think that Newman University is accepting of the LGBTQ plus 
community. Um, and I will come back to you first, Josh, purely because you don't go to this university or you haven't been to this university, but you have been a guest at the university a couple of times for some of our you know, panels. So I would like to get your opinion as an outsider looking in, what your thoughts on that are. I, f I find Newman to be a really, really interesting example, to be fair, because we know that the higher education system is kind of riddled with inequalities and marginalised groups are traditionally overlooked and further marginalised by the very institutions that are supposed to protect and uplift them. And we know that that's something that's uniform across the sector, but I think Newman's a very unique um, example on the basis that you are tied, I think you're a Catholic university, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, when it comes to kind of the founding ethos and the founding vision, it is very rooted in religion. Um, so it has to kind of almost jump between those hurdles, jump between those steps of making sure that you are being an inclusive, vibrant community while still being core to the values and ethos of the institution as it was set up. Um, I remember talking to, um, I think it was one of the original chairs of the LGBT society, actually. I think he was the founder. Um, and he was saying that that was actually revolutionary when that came. Something is almost, that, um, from my perspective, something as simple as an LGBT society was revolutionary because of the work that it took to get there. And that's something that kind of blows my mind. Because this is such a staple in so many kind of universities. Like why has it took Newman so long, so to speak? But then I can understand it's the jump in between those hurdles and how to make sure that you are keeping it in check. Um, on that though, I would say that the very existence of that society and the work that you are doing around it and the campaigns that have been run out of the student union to be inclusive and representative, it's almost paying homage to the fact that there are, there are shortcomings and material things that are difficult, but that from the student union side and society side, you're trying your very best to make sure that you are being as inclusive and engaging to all of these groups as possible. And I think that's really special. Um, but that's student-led, that's, that's student-led, that's not necessarily mm -hmm. university-led, and there is a very big distinction because students and student unions shouldn't be taking on the work of the university. Um, so in summary, Newman's in a bit of a pickle, but I feel like you're being as productive and constructive as you can coming out of it to try and make things just that bit better for the students that you represent. And I think that's something that needs to be praised and something that's also very special given the circumstances. Hashtag go team. <laughs> well done, guys. <laughs> Go on, Phoebe. I know you've been dying for this. So before I came to uni, I was well, I was 18 when I came to uni, but I'd not long turned 18. And prior to that, I came out when I was at college. And I was still really confused, oh, unsure about what my sexuality was. Like I came out as bi and like, it's a long story, I'm not gonna go into it. But anyway, I came out as bi, wasn't sure, still not really 100% sure, but it doesn't really matter to me. Love my girlfriends, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, I came to uni, I didn't really think like there was a big community. I didn't think it was a big thing. Didn't think there was that many issues. Wasn't, I was quite naive to what the community was, what it meant, the big wide world that it is. Um, and so I didn't really look into like the support that was there at Newman. Um, since getting involved with society, I was vice chair last year, chair this year, we discovered last year on Newman University on their website that LGBTQ plus support is the society. Um, are we trained in any way to be a support group? No. Um, so were we, are we able to give that support? No. Um, and the other thing that's listed on there is the chaplain which is great because our chaplain is lovely, don't get me wrong, but I feel like when I was a fresher, I would not feel comfortable if I had an issue 
going to the chaplaincy at Catholic Uni with an LGBTQ plus issue and then obviously the student support but I still without someone direct to go to and Newman need that they need someone direct to go to like we are the society are framed as a support group we're not and then students join us and we try our best to support them and it's like we can only direct them to student support what were your experiences Mark I mean pretty much everything Phoebe said um, I think the biggest issue is obviously being in the society the only place you could sign post students was the SU but given the nature of it being LGBTQ+, confidentiality is a must like if it's my experience and people are passing it on it makes you anxious it might not be for everybody but it's very much for me and like I remember my first year I joined the society and um I did like a film evening, my very first event that I ever planned, and I was really happy. And I remember like I was sticking up posters and they were getting ripped down and um, like off the walls. And obviously it turns out you couldn't put posters on walls. Um, but I was shocker. Do you know what I mean? Like because part of me like thought, is that is that homophobia? Like I'm not sure, but you you feel threatened by little things like that. Well I do mm. anyway. So it's like Obviously, the biggest issue I have, apart from the society, there's not really a place for students to go to. And obviously, I know that obviously when I was there, the mental health services at Newman are like on the brim of like capacity. They, they struggle to cater for everybody. So and for obviously for LGBTQ plus students at Newman, it could be damaging for them even more. And I feel like that's something Newman really needs to try and cater for. I'll stop on the now. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> it's really good feedback as well as obviously being an officer, hearing that, um, so we can start discussions. Um, so yeah, I mean, Phoebe, Mark, you are welcome to start having talked to me about this. <laughs> um, I did want to mention um, in terms of marginalised groups within society, um, do you feel a sense of alliance with other movements such as Black Lives Matter? Josh? <laughs> Let's start some drama. Um, Build a tea. <laughs> always. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the LGBT community, um, and I only say LGBT because it's LGBT History Month, um, but obviously it's the LGBTQIA, etc. Um, community but we're not unique we're not distinct yes there is uniqueness in all of us and yes our experiences are unique compared to the mainstream but the struggles that we are fighting for uh, fighting against and the things that we are pushing towards is shared between so many other kind of activist movements as well um, that isn't just Black Lives Matter um, but that is pretty much every marginalized group across the world um, are pushing for basic rights basic equality basic respect um, and they are the exact same things realistically when you come down to the crux of it that we are fighting for. So we need to stand side by side with them. Um, it's like you look at, I don't know, you look at the, the definition of black actually is a very good example of this um, because it's, becoming, it's become a bit defunct now. Um, but you say NUS, for example, they use politically black as their definition of black. Um, politically black is very different to the black that we would understand. Politically black is anybody non-white due to that shared history of oppression. So that is anybody from, I don't know, an Asian or Arabic background, anybody from an African Caribbean background, to an extent, 
South America, all of these different kind of um, cultures and races can be defined as black under this term. That in the kind of current worlds, I don't agree with. But at that time, when it was first coined, I believe it was in the 80s or the 90s, it was because that collective solidarity was so important when anybody non-white was seen as the other, when anybody non-white was victimized, was seen as non-human. It was so important for these groups to stand together under one blanket to be able to push for that change and push for that basic human decency and basic respect. Um, so we need to constantly look at the kind of past of our movements, uh, but not only of our movement, but other activist movements around the, uh, around the country and around the world and apply that to our principles and practices today. Um, we look at pride parades and let's take out the 60% of the kind of sponsorships for the Pink Pound and let's look at the actual community groups that are there. But these are community groups representing such a broad intersection of society, some queer, some allies, some there to stand in solidarity. And we should reciprocate that as well. We can never assume that there are hierarchies of need and that any one group is more important than the other because that collective action is important to uplift all of us. Um, yes, it's exhausting. And yes, it's tiring to have the same conversations and the same arguments with scary men under the Daily Mail reader section of Twitter. But we need to keep that energy because when they begin to pick off one group, they will come for us inevitably. Um, when you look at the LGBT community, well, LGBTQ plus community now, we look at our trans brothers and sisters being deliberately targeted by our government for as a gay man. Things are things are all right for me at the moment. I've just been I'm like I can donate blood now. That's great. That's a win. But just because I have some form of privilege or some form of parity at the moment, does that mean that I turn a blind eye to others in my community that do not? No. That means we fight harder and we use that privilege to uplift them. If we don't do that, we're failing. Thanks. I don't know who wants to step in now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to elaborate off your point. Um, because what saddens me is when you see, obviously, like, news articles about, especially um, in the States, about mm. black trans women um, being murdered. And then mm. you hear them being murdered, and then the case just stops. And I feel like that is so infuriating. And I think people need to realise that no one should be afraid of going out the house and being who they are. That thought, just but what people, how people can't understand that really angers me. It's just someone trying to be them, like how I be me. And I have the privilege to do that and, you know, not do that without so much fear. And it's so important. This is where, like, I know it just sounds really cheesy, where you stand together because the collaboration of voices is so much stronger than a single voice. Yeah. And, you know, and this is where I can use my privilege and this is where I need to reflect upon it myself. I need to use my privilege to help my brothers and sisters to be them and have the same equal rights as everyone else. I just, I just can't understand how anybody could be against that. Be them. Like how I be me. And I have the privilege to do that and, you know, not do that without so much fear. And it's so important. This is where, like, I know it does sound really cheesy, where you stand together because the collaboration of voices is so much stronger than a single voice. Yeah. And, you know, and this is where I can use my privilege. And this is where I need to reflect upon it myself. I need to use my privilege to help my brothers and sisters to be them and have the same equal rights as everyone else. I just, I just can't understand how anybody could be against that. <sighs> Gave myself a goosebump then. <laughs> Go on, Phoebe. I'll have it. 
God, such emotional speeches. I'm energy I'm here to see. <laughs> <laughs> we live for it. <laughs> but yeah, right, like the same. I feel like everyone has the right to leave home, to go to uni, to go to the shops, to go on holiday and just have that freedom. So it's like, even though like the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, and LGBTQ plus activism have very, face different struggles. We're all fighting for equality. We're all fighting for rights. We face different issues, but we all just want to be able to go out and be ourselves and be okay. And it's like, I'm white, so I have white privilege. And to be honest, before Black Lives Matter, I didn't fully acknowledge that. And I speak to Kim on many occasions of where I'm like, asking questions or picking up on this so I'm like oh this has made me angry and like <laughs> I have that privilege to speak up to other white people and be like what the hell you have white privilege what are you talking about like you don't even realize that you have it you do not realize you have it until you speak to people and realize the same with LGBTQ plus allies have that chance to speak to other allies on a level mm -hmm. that LGBTQ plus people can't does that make kind of sense it kind yeah. of sounds a bit bad what I'm saying but it kind of makes sense in my head that allies and, for example, like white people, non-people of colour have the chance to help in the same way we're helping two movements together. There's that allyship where we can work together. And I'm not going to sit here and say there are LGBTQ plus people that aren't racist, because there will be. And there will also be people of colour who are homophobic. There's always going to be that. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be that in the world, unfortunately. And I, I hope to, that, to God that one day there isn't. But there probably always will be on both sides. But we've just got to stand together. We're all fighting for equality. And I just want everyone to have the right to go out somewhere, go on holiday where they want to go on holiday and not yeah. be afraid. Or go to a shop and not be afraid. Get on yeah. a bus and not be afraid. Go to school and not be afraid that's something people take for granted and don't even realize when i've looked at holidays myself honestly the first thing i ever look at when i'm searching um like different countries and stuff is um what what they're like with racism homophobia and if i'm gonna get nasty looks with all my tattoos walking down the street <laughs> but you know the whole the racism side and the homophobia side to it is like the, the first things you look at like, I should be looking at where's the nearest beach to my hotel you know <laughs> like that shouldn't be the first thing that comes up when I'm searching for holiday packages I mean it's honestly it when people think that it's not an issue like looking for a holiday and thinking is it safe for myself and it's, and it's things like that where we really all have to stop, look and listen to what's going on around us because that shouldn't be a thing. We shouldn't feel like we're in danger to go on a holiday. And for example, like Phoebe said, even walk into the shop. Well, that shouldn't be a thing. Like you should be able to go to the shop and feel safe. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about this for hours, so I'll keep my mouth shut. But <laughs> honestly, like, I think the issue is everyone is used to just batting an eyelid and let things be. And it's always going to be like that unless we change it. Mm -hmm. the thing is, and it has to be like one generation now that nips it in the bud the best of their ability because it will take time. It will take so much time to get there, but we will. 
Yeah. We will if we if if we. I, I know it sounds so cheesy. It's so bad, but it just stand together, and you know, not bat an eyelid. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I like people say I have a white privilege, so I'm gonna use that to uplift others who who might maybe afraid their voices won't be heard because we are all equal. But yeah, I will stop now. <laughs> so, how do you think um, student movements can? can support the LGBTQ plus community? I mean, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna just jump I in again. Sorry, 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 sorry. Just an example, like when, I mean, it, it could just be me, but when we've set, when I was there anyway, when we set up stalls in the atrium, which is like the main part of uni, um, it's the awkward people will look at you and look away straight away like they're, they're intrigued like but i think they're scared because they're by the lgbtq plus stalled people are going to think again like it's as daft as it sounds like it, it happens a lot like i feel like people and it's okay but people are too scared just to engage and say hello because of what other people think you know come on josh <laughs> I was actually trying to point at Phoebe then. I could see her. I could see the steam coming out of her head. Like you could see the vision in her eyes. Like I know the power <laughs> in what she's going to say. <laughs> Go on, then put yourself on mute then, Josh. Let people talk. Oh my God, stop <laughs> me. Well, it's the stress of who's going to press the unmute button first. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to kind of make the point of a lot of students not even particularly at Newman are the next generation of like professionals obviously don't have to be students to be professionals but the next generation of doctors and psychiatrists of counsellors of social workers of teachers of all these professions it's important they happen at uni because all these people are going to go into professions that they've worked for for a degree and then they're not going to understand the issues in the real world a lot of like I've met people at Newman who are isolated from the world they have mummy daddy pay for things they don't work they don't have any real world experience but they're a little bubble at uni they don't know what's going on in the world they watch it on the news but they don't see it for themselves they don't see inequality so if that can be brought into uni where those kind of people who may may they can't work or they don't work or whatever or they don't have any kind of experience of the real world or don't face these issues themselves if those movements happen as a student they can get involved they can see it they can hear it they've got the chance to have a voice they've got the chance to listen they've got the chance to act they understand more it's just going to benefit their future and those around them like I want to go on and be a counsellor if things at uni didn't happen and I didn't really have any experience beyond uni I wouldn't see what's going on in the bigger picture and mm -hmm. how can I go and counsel someone with their problems and I don't even know what's happening in the real world so I, I think it's important to happen that for that reason because they're going to go out to the big wide world and they're just going to get a bit of a shock to be honest if students don't kind of have if they don't have a realistic expectation of the real world so it's important it happens at uni for that kind of more of the awareness and the act mm -hmm. and they know how to be an ally or you know approach the issues better themselves like I've grown since a fresher 
I know how to handle difficult situations that I face or other people face better now. I know how to approach things better, even in the way I speak. Three years ago, I would have just been on one effing and blind and swearing at these questions. <laughs> I couldn't come up with solutions. <laughs> I'm a lot better now because I've been taught that through uni and through campaigns and through all these movements that even, no matter how small it is, we've done it. Mm -hmm. That's my big, yeah. Go team! Go team! <laughs> Go Josh! Um, so, uh, ooh, I'm just trying to think of how I word this so that I don't get um, angry tweets directed at me. Um, but Put them down. I, I, okay, I'm going to just be completely honest. So I think, <laughs> I think the student movement is one of the most powerful movements that we have in this country. Um, I think the student movement is absolutely incredible and to see the passion and the power of that movement firsthand and to be able to still see it going on now is ridiculously inspiring. University, well, higher education and further education, yes, are about getting that qualification and getting that degree and going out into the world on a grad scheme and all those lovely things, but running parallel to that it's the unbelievable growth that you experience when you partake in one of these kind of um, further, further education opportunities. Um, and that's so special because it does allow you to develop your leadership skills in a society or your collaboration from being on a committee or you're running an election and losing the power of your voice to be able to influence change, all of these things. And it goes from the very, very bottom all the way up to the top where we've got hundreds of thousands of students marching in the streets uh, of London for tuition fee uh, against the tuition fee raised to £9,000 or to remain in Europe. We know how to make our voices heard and students will not stop until our voices are heard and I think that is exceptional. However, however, I think the student movement needs to ensure that it doesn't border on the toxicity that it stands against. Um, within the student movement, everybody's fighting to have their voice heard and often that can lead to talking over other people's voices or assuming that you are the expert on an opinion rather than letting that marginalized person speak on behalf of themselves and that is an issue but another issue that we find is that once you go to university regardless of whether you're working class or anything and i hate using the term working class i really disagree with that term in its entirety but you then become the if this is people listening on a podcast i'm doing quotation marks in my fingers but you become the educated middle class, regardless of your kind of performance outputs, because you have that wider education. And we risk alienating so many people from working class backgrounds. I hate that term again, but I will use it. But from working class backgrounds, or those that aren't necessarily the most um, academically attained, in using these, this constant academic jargon and these constant high level kind of theories and philosophies that the general average person won't understand, all it does is put us into an echo chamber where we begin fighting with ourselves rather than fighting with the people that can make that change. Um, the way that I see it is, like I, I've said it in a previous thing with Newman, but I'll use it again with, with our mum. I'm not going to say my mum, Kim. Um, but one of the loveliest women you'll ever meet, a mouth as loud as me, that's where I get it from. Um, Kim, you're lovely too. You are wonderful. You're amazing. Um, I'm getting the look. I'm scared. But the point that I'm making here is that when I came out to my mum, I, I knew that it was going to be fine. She's the most accepting person ever. She's not going to tell me to do anything. I came up with a great sausage roll. I was having a great time. But some of the questions that she asked me, if she was to ever post them on Twitter or onto Facebook or onto Instagram, she would get absolutely dragged. 
she would get absolutely destroyed because the wording's wrong or the terminology is wrong or she's not coming from this right perspective or this has actually changed, that's not inclusive language. And this is somebody that just wants to learn, that is genuinely curious and is asking questions because they want to better themselves to be more inclusive and just more open and accepting and knowledgeable in these subjects. So when the student movement begins shutting people out because they don't understand, rather than educating, when we begin talking over people rather than listening, when we come at it from such a binary axis and considering we try to break down binaries in our lives anyway, it becomes so unbelievably problematic. What we don't want the student movement to become is an echo chamber that breeds toxicity that it should be standing against. What we need to do is bring people into our movement, enlighten them, let them see our point of view, our vision, what we want the world to be and how we think we can get there. And that comes from understanding our audience a lot of the time as well. Just go back to my mum again. I know that if she would have went on Twitter, she would have got dragged by these, by people just like me, realistically, um, at times, she would have shut down. She wouldn't ask these questions anymore. She wouldn't want to learn more because she's scared. And a lot of people are scared. We look at a lot of the older generation. They're terrified of change, absolutely terrified. Suddenly there was gay and lesbian, but now there's gay, lesbian and trans, but now there's non-binary, but now there's pansexual, but now there's demisexual, there's asexual. All of these things are just getting thrown and thrown and thrown and thrown at them. And yes, the world has changed and it's their responsibility to educate themselves and to be, to be able to understand it. But it's also our responsibility to be able to share it, to be able to talk to our families, to be able to talk to the people that work in the shops, to be able to talk to our neighbours, our friends, all of these people and try to bring them up to speed in a way that isn't condescending and isn't belittling, but that pays homage to the history and the context and why they may have these views and try to disseminate and break them down so that they can constructively engage in the future and just be more well-rounded. Um, that's a responsibility that rests on all of us, uh, both in the student movement and out. But I think because of the passion within the student movement, sometimes we fail to see this and we're too quick to get angry and blow off rather than understanding the subtext behind it. Please don't hate me. We don't hate you, behave. <laughs> I do want to say there were so many questions that we've got that would have made great conversation, but we are running out of time. So I do want to go jump edge to the last question because I think, especially for History Month, it's always great to sort of like remember, reflect, and then celebrate. And I all, always have that sort of ethos when it comes to any kind of month. Um, I, I like to reflect and then celebrate and look forward. So to end on a positive note, because we, we are running out of time, unfortunately, um, what do you feel has been the biggest success for the LGBTQ plus community in the last year? And there's a lot to unwrap, but we, <laughs> we should keep um, I think one thing that was a shocker to me, and I believe it was last year, don't quote me, was Northern Ireland having same-sex marriage legalised last year. Last year, so we're talking, what, 2020? That was a shocker. Uh, but obviously, when you when you read about this news, you get so happy because mm -hmm. you want to step closer. But imagine, like, obviously, Northern Ireland too, um, same sex marriage only being legalised. That was my one anyway. I'll pass it on. <laughs> Everyone's too scared to press the button now because they're, they're being too polite. Go on, Phoebe. Go on. <laughs> um, I feel like definitely for me it's more LGBTQ plus in the media 
when part of me is like mm, it's to make money it's like when pride happens like everyone brings out like the pride merch but it's not actually going towards any charity so I was like oh when like a tv show puts a gay couple in there so they get like oh they get I spoke about like oh they've got this that the other but it's definitely being normalized a lot more there was a couple I can't remember I'm sure they were like last year there was maybe there was got to be at least one Christmas advert which had gay coupling you know like dance on ice strictly come dancing they have same-sex dancing couples in there now um Cadbury's cream egg advert has a gay couple in it um like there's just a lot more kind of in the media especially with a pandemic with the lockdown everyone's on screen everyone's like no one has anything to do but watch tv be on a laptop or just be on a screen at some point so having that represent representation in the media is a win for me because children aren't at school they don't get to talk about any of this stuff or see any of their friends but they get to see it in the media and i think that's quite powerful at the moment um Weirdly enough, my point's literally the same as yours, to be honest. Um, but I, I think a slightly different strand. Um, but with the kind of Gender Recognition Act reform and the potential for trans and non-binary individuals' rights to be significantly rolled back, um, there was, what's the best way of words? There was a lot of people in the media, a lot of columnists, a lot of TV presenters, et cetera, et cetera, that were rallying around that very exclusionary narrative um, of which of which trans individuals are entering in spaces that are meant for biological women only and that it's the act of erasure of women etc etc and a lot of people then came out of the woodwork and started blowing up these horrible tropes about against trans and non-binary individuals that was so dominant in the media and so prominent and it is still now even though this is the same things that they pull out of the woodwork every 10 years or so and they keep coming out with it but I think, oh my God, I'm popular today. Um, but I think the beauty of it between the uh, kind of the queer community as well as allies is the pushback that we did towards it. We made sure that we were getting into the center stage of media, of tabloids, of newspapers, of magazines to be able to set the story straight about what this means to these individuals, what their lives and experiences are actually like, what this means to them, what this will do to them. And it's a, a kind of like a tug of war at the moment where it seems to start kind of move one way, then move back to the other, then move back. But I think we're putting up a good fight and we're actually showing the narrative that these are just people that want to live their lives freely and be happy in the body that they are in. And there are so many steps that can be taken to make sure that that happens. And the pushback and the fight by the queer community and allies to make sure that that narrative is running parallel to the horrible right wing narrative that is so prevalent as well. I think it's really beautiful. And again, that goes back to the point earlier where it demonstrates the importance of collective action and the importance of understanding your privilege and fighting back understanding that there are others within our community and within our world that are not afforded the same luxuries that we have. So to be able to use the platforms that we have to be able to push back and fight back, I think is really beautiful. You be muted. You're on mute, darling. Because that's not awkward at all. And now I was just asking if anyone else had any last comments. Can I be cheesy once again, please? Go on, man. And I want to get this out before we leave, right? Obviously, I hope to think there is an LGBTQ plus society within every university. Like, because honestly, knowing those societies are there is so important. Like, before I came to university, I, was, I come from a small town in Somerset. 
where my closest gay bar was Bristol. So coming to university, and and you, you I, honestly, I got lucky because I found my family, and because of that, I was able to be more outgoing. I was a whole different person, and then leaving university, coming back home, I could have conversations I wouldn't be too scared to have. So if it wasn't for like the LGBTQI um, societies that are in place, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I'm sure there's others who are in the exact same boat as me. You, you go to university to find yourself, and I'm a strong believer of that. So, you know, support your society, guys, within any institution. <laughs> it's important. That's my ending message. But it's great. It is great you're having these conversations because they honestly really need to happen. Yeah. It's been a delight. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you all, actually. Don't thank... God, thank you all for coming today. Hashtag love is love. 